find it, Zephaniah. There's only three other books left in the Old Testament, so just go to Matthew and turn back a few pages, and you'll find it right there. Does anyone need a copy of the outline tonight? If you need a copy and didn't get a copy of the outline, if you slip your hand up, we'll give that to you. Anybody need a copy? All right, we're good. All right, we got some up here. If you, do you mind taking care of that for me, Ryan? And uh, we'll get that out to you who need that. And uh, I've mentioned before, those watching online as well, make sure you leave me a comment. Let me know you're watching. Anyone, I think John and oh, you, John Debbie got over there. All right, everyone good? I think we're good. All right. Um, if, you, if you've only been here for part of them and you don't have some of them, I have a copy of all of the different ones. The main goal of this series is, yes, to get you more acquainted with the Word of God, but also to be a help to you as you study the Word of God. Because each of us as Christians should be in the Word of God studying it for ourselves. It shouldn't just be, the pastor studies it for me. No, you should be studying to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. And I study, and I do my best to prepare for you, but we have to have personal study as well. And so the goal of this series has been so that you could open, because if you turn to the book of Zephaniah, and you start reading it, you're going to be like, what in the world's going on? And some of you in the room could figure it out pretty quick. Some of you, it would take a little bit longer. This is just a help to help you. It's a brief overview to help you as you study out the passage of scriptures. And so Zephaniah is where we are tonight, and then we'll continue on over the next several weeks. And who knows when we'll get through all the Bible, but we're on number 36, and there's 66, so we got 30 to go. So we're getting there. And so let me give you a couple of announcements, and then we'll continue on tonight. Saturday evening here at church, we're having a church movie night out on the grass, and you should have seen, I blew up the thing today. I had to test it out to make sure. This thing, it's a good-sized screen that we'll be able to watch the movie on Saturday, and uh, I let a church use our outdoor speakers that I had, and it just so happens they returned them today. I didn't even ask them, and they got here right in time for the movie Saturday night, and so we'll be watching, I still believe, is the movie we'll be watching. Great movie, great truth in the movie. And uh, you'll be blessed by it. You'll be encouraged. It's a good movie. And uh, it's a hard life that that family had to go through to get to that point. But a great truth. And so Saturday evening, 7 p.m., we'll be out on the grass over here. Um, Pizza will be provided. And so if you don't like pizza or you want pizza, make sure you let me know. I believe Pizza Pirates is where I'm getting it from. And uh, if you like cheese, you should let me know cheese. If you like pepperoni, I'll get, I'm going to have pepperoni. If you don't, if you say, I like the Supreme one, well, you give me some of this and I'll get you your Supreme. One topping's cheaper, so we'll do it that way. But if you pay, I'll get you whatever topping you want on your pizza. And you can have that, especially for yourself. But um, we'll be having that on Saturday evening. And just a time of fellowship and watch the movie for the kids they might, it might not keep their attention the whole time. I'm going to have a TV set up around the side over by the picnic tables there, and there will be a separate movie for them that will be on. We'll have two going at once. I think we can handle that all at once. We'll make sure that ours is louder than theirs, and we'll have a good time with it. So um, let me see. I said on Sunday, if you're planning on coming and you're here tonight, would you let me know? Slip your hand up by how many are coming. Put up fingers so I know. This means five. This means two. This means 10, but I don't think we have any families that big. Hopefully not. Two, five, six, seven, twelve, thirteen. Do we have six? We have a big family, don't we? Side room. All right. 
All right. And then if you're watching online, let me know as well. Text me or I'll, I'll probably just send out a group text and do that. It's the easiest way. People don't respond to those either, but we'll figure it out. Um, I'm only going to get pizza the hoe for the ones that raise their hand and let me know or text me. So um, that will be Saturday evening. Then Sunday morning, we are starting a new series Sunday morning. I actually let you all help me figure out what series I was going to do. And the Lord laid both of them on my heart. I'm like, how do you preach two different series at the same time? And I thought, well, what I could do is the 830 service, do one, do one at 10, then switch. I'm like, no, that's too much work. We'll do one, and then we'll see me do the other one later. Overwhelmingly, a lot of people said the attributes of God would be a blessing in their life right now. Who God is. But the title of it is very simply, My God is blank. And you can fill in the blank. This Sunday morning to start the series out, My God is holy. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter number 6 and see Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. His king had died, but he saw the king of kings. And so that's where it'll be Sunday morning. And I sincerely believe right now, um, just today, I had several phone calls, lots of different things. People really need God right now. So let me just encourage you with this tonight. You know people that are struggling right now. This sermon series could be a huge blessing to them over the next several weeks. And uh, some of them might not feel comfortable coming to church yet. Tell them to go online and watch it. If they're comfortable coming, tell them to come, and it'll be a blessing to our hearts just going over. And I think, I think it was Gary, it was you or Johnette, which one of you texted me? It was Johnette, and you just said how just when, one of, when you're going through a hard time in life, the study about the attributes of God was a huge blessing to you during that time. And your, your text the one that sealed the deal for me on it. But there was, it was like 25 to 2 was the vote. No one likes Joseph in the room, I guess. I don't know. But um, anyways, we'll start that Sunday morning. So I want to encourage you to be here for that and invite someone as well. And then Sunday night, we're going to keep talking about being spiritually fit. And uh, that'll be a good thing. And so I'm excited. The Lord's working. And that's what we need in our day. And the Lord is working. We look around us. I know this world seems crazy and at times, but you know, God is still, he's always constant. He doesn't change. And we need him today just like we need him before March. We'll need him all the time. And he's still working. And don't ever lose sight of that. Zephaniah tonight, chapter 1. And you'll notice as we go through here, sometimes on these minor prophets, we know very little about the person. But Zephaniah, we have a lot talked about in verse number 1. It says, The word of the Lord came unto Zephaniah, the son of Cushai, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of... Hizkah, in the days of Josiah, the king of Ammon, the, I mean the son of Ammon, king of Judah. So right there, we find out quite a bit about Zephaniah right away. And uh, starts out right away, the Lord, I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. There's no, there's no short, there's no stepping into it. There's no like, uh, you know, hey, how you doing? Hope you're having a good night. No. I will utterly consume all things. Tells you right away that the book of Zephaniah is about the judgment of God coming. And so for a little bit of time tonight at the end, we'll watch the video. Hopefully it will play right. And in the past couple times it hasn't been working right, but I think we got that figured out tonight. But let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time, and then we'll dive in to the passage. Father, we love you, we need you, and we thank you tonight for your love and for who you are. I thank you that we can look at this passage of Scripture, and I pray that you can just help us, and uh, that you just help us tonight and just minister to our hearts. 
I pray that as we study this passage and as we look at it, God, that you would just work in us. And thank you for being God. Thank you for being in control of everything. And thank you for being our help. And thank you for not being what we want you to be, but for being who you are. And that's such a blessing to my heart. And I thank you for that. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Let's dive in tonight. The book of Zephaniah. And see right away that he lived and he prophesied during the days of Josiah. Now, those of us who know who, how many of you know who Josiah is? How old was he when he became king of Israel? He's eight years old. And so, I think it's eight. I think it's eight. And uh, some say it's seven, some said six, some I say eight. And you know what? I could be wrong. I'm going off of my Sunday school memory from a boy. So, I think he was eight years old. And all I know is this. David, how old are you? Six? Five, six. No one knows. No one knows numbers tonight. And uh, he's six. Eric, how old are you? Ten. William, you're nine. Well, let's just say, let's say if it was William. How would you like William to be your king? No, I wouldn't want it either. I agree 100% with that. Josiah, eight years old when he became king. And Josiah, you look at who was Josiah's dad? Anybody? Anybody know? It said it right there in the verse. Ammon was his dad. Who was um, Ammon's dad? Probably the wickedest king in Judah. Manasseh. Who was Manasseh's dad? Hezekiah. And so, man, it's amazing. Hezekiah overall was a really good king. There were some things that he did, and for sake of time, I'm not going to get into all those things. Manasseh's the wickedest king. He reigned 55 years. Probably the wickedest king that Judah had. And God promised that judgment was going to come. And Ammon did not get any better. And Ammon did not reign a super long time. And Josiah became king. But for a little bit of time, God's judgment was still going to come. But during the days of Josiah, God's judgment didn't come in his day. And one of the reasons if you study Josiah out, you look at the things that he did and how really revival broke out in Judah during the days of Josiah. Now I know Josiah, he was not perfect. And that's what we look at in all the kings. None of them were perfect. Even the best of them, Josiah was a good king. And Josiah, there was great revival in his day. But may I just remind you that God's judgment was still coming from the days of Manasseh. And actually, we go back to Hezekiah, you remember? And God was going to let him live out, gave him a little bit more in life, but that was getting passed down. And we look, something very interesting, look at Zephaniah here and look down at verse number 8. It says, um, actually go up, let's see, is that the verse I want you to go to? I thought it was. Go down to verse number, um, verse 8. Yeah, and it came to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Now, we look at Zephaniah here, he was speaking to Josiah's sons. 
Josiah's son, who was, anybody know tonight who the next king of Israel was after Josiah? He was the last one. Starts with a Z. Zedekiah? He was the last king of Israel, of Judah, before they were taken captive. The last thing that happened, the last thing that Zedekiah ever saw was as were taken captive by Babylon, they put his eyes out after they murdered his sons. So Zedekiah's sons were killed before his eyes, and they put out his eyes, and that was the last thing Zedekiah ever saw was his son's death. And we see that this was talked about right here about this future coming. One of the things, and this is not part of my message, not part of my notes or anything else, we see and we understand that God's judgment was coming. But do you know revival can still break in the midst of knowing that judgment's still going to come? And God's hand of judgment was stayed for a length of time under Josiah. Do we need to talk about Nineveh and go back there again? Remember Nineveh, as we talked about a few weeks ago? Jonah goes and preaches an eight-word message, and the city revival breaks out in that city. But then we finish up and we continue on in the books of the Bible. And as we got later on into the next few books, we saw the fact that they were destroyed. God does not let sin go unpunished. But it's not on us when God does judgment comes and when it doesn't. That's God's doing. In the days of Josiah, revival had broke out, but revival hadn't. Revival was there, but judgment was still going to come. Judgment is inevitable. This world is going to be judged. May I just be honest with you? You look at our country, our country will be judged for the sin that we commit before God. It's going to happen. That does not mean that revival cannot break out today and God's hand stayed a little longer. But at the end of the day, God's judgment will come upon the entire world. In fact, it's alluded to here in the book of Zephaniah. So we look at Zephaniah tonight. My theme for the, for the book is this. You can't fit God in your box. You don't get to decide what God does or how he does it. God is God, and he does things how he decides to. And that should be a blessing to your heart tonight. I'm so glad that God doesn't do things the way I think he should. And I'm glad he doesn't do things the way you think he should. I'm glad he's God and he does things right every time. And as we look tonight, we're going to dive in. We're going to look at several things tonight. And as we start out, I want you to go with me to chapter number three. There's kind of a question that's developed here in this passage of Scripture and we look in Zephaniah chapter 3, look down at verse number 17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. Oh, doesn't this kind of sounds like our song a little bit tonight, doesn't it? Just a little bit, huh? He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Well, let's go back to chapter number 1. Verse number two, I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks of the wicked. And I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. 
I also stretch out mine hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place in the name of the um, Chemerims with the priests, and them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship and swear by the Lord, and that swear by Malchem, and them that are turned back from the Lord, and those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired for him. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice, and he bid his guests, and it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice, that I will punish the princes. We read that verse a little bit ago, verse number 9. And that same day also will I punish all those that leap on the threshold, which fill the master's house with violence and deceit. And we go through and we see through verse 17, judgment, 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 judgment. So some questions that get raised as we look at the book of Zephaniah is this. Is God a God of love? Or is God a God of judgment? What do we see throughout the book? Or a God of wrath? Which one is he? And may I just tell you tonight, he's both. He doesn't just fit into what we want God to be. He's both. And depending tonight, most of us tonight in in this room, depending on your personality, upbringing, experiences, all these other things, there are different sides of God or attributes of God that we like more than others. Some people really love God's love. And they go overboard on the love of God. Oh, God just loves everything. And God, and God does. He loved the world. He gave His Son, right? But some people focus just on the love of God. They focus on His mercy and all these different things. Some people like to focus on the wrath of God and the judgment of God. But He's a God of all these things. We, we can't put God into a box. It's not going to make total sense to you everything. Which one's right? Is God a God of love or is God a God of wrath? Both is right. We look at churches today. We have some churches today, I call them more the liberal and progressive side of churches, that only want to focus on the love of God. God is love. God wants you happy. I want to feel good, to be happy, have unicorns and rainbows and all of that. God loves all of that. I know I get the girls in the front row to smile about unicorns and rainbows. Then you have others. You have your more conservative churches where all it is is God's judgment and shame on you and how you live. There's no balance. Those churches that are all lovey-dovey need some of God's judgment mixed in. And those who are big on God's judgment need some of God's love to be mixed in. But we tend to not be very balanced. Aren't you glad that the Lord is balanced? He is. I love how Jesus, he was full of grace and truth. Both. Not just one, both. And that's such a blessing to me. And as we look at this tonight, and as we study this, and as we look it out, you know, if God is just a God of love, then nothing matters. I can live my life, do as I please, and God just loves me, and I can do anything I want. If God's just a God of wrath and judgment, then everything I do matters. Every little thing matters. 
He could strike me with a bolt of lightning at any moment because I don't wear the right color, I, the wrong um, type of shirt in God's eyes. Now, if I don't dot every I and cross every T, God's going to get me. That's not how God is. When we look here tonight, as we look at this, what Zephaniah does, he reminds us of the fact that we serve a God that is well-balanced. He's eternally perfect and balanced in all his attributes. You're going to see over the next several weeks on Sunday mornings, we're going to look at God like this first week. We're looking at his holiness. He's set apart. There is no one like him. He's holy. We're going to look at how he's all-powerful. We're going to look at how he's justice and judgment. But we're going to look at how he's also love. That's God, perfectly balanced with all that. This passage of Scripture, we see God's judgment was coming upon the children of Israel and others. And when we look at God and we think, and that's why you got to take God, you got to look at all these different sides of God and put it together. God, God's kind of like a diamond. I think a diamond is a good description. You look, there's multi, it's multifaceted. And you can look and see so many different little different things. Because if God was just a God of judgment, like we read here, then God would just be judging everyone. He wouldn't care. But God's a God of love that was judging his people to get them back to him. So his love and justice are working together. And sometimes we don't view it that way. But this passage helps us with that. The outline of the book is fairly simple, not much to it tonight. Number one, we see there was judgment on Israel. Number one, judgment on Israel. We see that right away in chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. As we go through there, chapter 1 through chapter 2, we see that the judgment wasn't far away as Zephaniah wrote the book. The day of the Lord, now you've got to understand something. There are, in the Bible, there are different days of the Lord mentioned. The day of the Lord mentioned here in chapter 1 through the beginning of chapter number 2 was referring to Babylon coming in and what was going to take place on Judah. That's the day of the Lord there. One of the things that we see often as we study the minor prophets and go through here is the fact that when it talks about the day of the Lord, it's talking about when he comes again in the battle of Armageddon that time. And we'll even see it mentioned later on in this book. But... What we see here is the day of the Lord is, describes that day when God's people will be taken by Babylon, and it foreshadows the day of the Lord in the end times. And so we see first it begins with judgment on Israel. And then we see number two, we see it was judgment on the nations. Now you look at chapter number two, look at verse number four, the Bible says, For Gaza shall be forsaken, and Ashkelon a desolation, they shall drive out Ashdod at noonday, and Ekron shall be rooted out. Verse number five, woe unto the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Cherethites, the word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, the land of the Philistines. I will even destroy thee, that there shall be no inhabitant. And then you go down to verse number 11. It says, and the Lord will be terrible unto them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and men shall worship him, every one from his place, even all the isles of the heathen. 
And verse 12, ye Ethiopians also, ye shall be slain by my sword. And what you can see is you can look at, and history recounts, that all of these judgments that God placed on these different nations, each and every one of them came true. When God says something, he always comes through with what he says. If you look at chapter number 3, and look at the few woes that are mentioned, chapter 3, verse number um, 1 through 4, it says, Woe to her that is filthy and polluted to the oppressing city. She obeyed not the voice, she received not correction, she trusted not in the Lord, she drew not near to the Lord. Her princes within her are roaring lions, her judges are, ev- are evening wolves. They gnaw not the bones till the, mor- till the morrow. Her prophets are light and treacherous persons. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. You see the judgment was coming, and woe is never a good thing in the Bible. You don't want, woe is not good. But I love the fact that we can look at all of these things. And what, what is a common theme throughout the minor prophets? Judgment, and then how do they end? Restoration or hope. So you got judgment on Israel, judgment on the nations, and then guess how the book ends? Hope for the nations and Jerusalem. That's not just like God. That's how he always does it. I love that in the Minor Prophets, the fact. And we don't like God's judgment. We don't, and because judgment, it's not always, it's not good. We don't think it's good for us. But God always offers hope. May I just remind you tonight that are sitting here, those watching online, with God, there's always hope. Don't lose hope. Don't give up with God. There's always hope. Don't give up. We look, and we look at verse number 9. It says, For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my supplicants, even the daughters of my dispersed, shall bring mine offering. In that day shalt thou not be ashamed for all thy doings, wherein thou hast transgressed against me, For then I will take away out of the midst of thee them that rejoiced in thy pride, and thou shalt no more be haughty because of my holy mountain. I will also leave in the midst of thee an afflicted and poor people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies, nor shall be a deceitful tongue be found in them, be found in their mouth. For they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Sing, O daughters of Zion. Shout. Wait, 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 wait. We're talking about all the judgment. God's going to basically, I'm, <laughs> what did it say in chapter 1? I will utterly consume all things. And not only is he going to utterly destroy and judgment come on Judah, but he's going to take the rest of the world and the nations, and he's going to destroy them and judge them. But then we see in chapter 3, sing, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all, the, with all the heart, O daughters of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgment. He hath cast out thine enemy. The King of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear thou not. And to Zion, let not thine hands be slack. 
The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I will gather them that are sorrowful for a solemn assembly who are of thee to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time I will undo all that afflicteth thee. And I will save her that halteth and gather her that was driven out and will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time I will bring you again, even in the time that I gather you. For I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth when I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith the Lord. What's God saying? Jerusalem, Judah, judgment's coming. The rest of the nations... You will be judged. But don't forget, there's coming a day when my judgment will be complete and I will restore you back to where you were. Some believe that what Zephaniah is referring to is the during the millennial reign of Christ and Jerusalem being restored. And uh, you think about that and the great tribulation when God will rule and reign with his people. That's what many people think that Zephaniah is talking about here. Because you really think about it, Israel was brought back together. We've read through those passages, Nehemiah and the different ones, of course. But in all honesty, Israel was never the same after they went into captivity in Babylon. And they've refused their king. But God's not done with Israel. He's not. And someday Jesus will rule and reign in Jerusalem. And the hope that we see found in this passage of Scripture, what we see here tonight is this, is that God's justice and his judgment and his wrath is never without purpose. And it's never without hope. God always gives his people hope. A theme through the minor prophets is there is always hope. Because a lot of these minor prophets, they're talking about judgment coming. There's always hope. Praise God and thank God that there's always hope. The last thing I want you to see, I just want to give you a little thought. We'll watch the video here. Something that I thought was pretty interesting as I studied through here. Look at chapter 1 and go to verse number 18. It says, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. You realize all the money in the world, everything you try and build up, all your accolades don't matter to God. You see that right there. It, the silver, it means nothing. But I want you to see something that's very important. Look at chapter number 2 and look at verse number 3. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness, 
it may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. So it says to seek righteousness and to seek meekness. Meekness is an attitude. Righteousness is action. I look at our world today, and I think there's a rude awakening coming to this world at some point very soon where God's going to say enough, and his judgment's going to come. I mean, I think when Manasseh was reigning in Israel and all the wickedness that came into Judah and Jerusalem, God was ready to wipe them out. And Ammon did no better than his father, Manasseh. But then there was a little boy named Josiah. And that boy changed Jerusalem for a while. His actions, his attitude. You could also say towards the end of Josiah's life, his actions and his attitude got a little bit away from God and started going in a different direction. And we see how Israel fell very quickly. My little thought and little plug for you tonight is We don't know when the Lord's coming, and he's coming soon. I firmly believe that. But I think there could still be another revival before he comes, where God's people seek him and where God does a great work before the end comes. Let's be a part of that. Let's be a reason for it to come. Let our attitude, let our actions lead us forward. There's still hope, church. You might watch the news and feel like there's, no, there's hope. Thank God there's hope. This book gives us hope. God gives us hope. This world doesn't leave you with much hope. You could even tune into the Democratic National Convention last week, and that left you with no hope. And even the Republican National Convention the other night, there wasn't if they said if Biden wins, there's not much hope. But the Republicans and Democrats all have it wrong all the way around. As long as the Lord's there, there's still hope. So church tonight, let's live for him today. Let's let our actions and let our attitude be right. And maybe God could just have one last revival before it comes and use us. It could happen. It could happen. Think with me for a minute. Why do you think in all honesty, why do you think right now, I look at our state. Just the other day, they've tried four times now in L.A. County to shut MacArthur's church down. Four times. And it's still, and the judge didn't give in to L.A. County on Monday again. Fourth time they've tried. You got North Valley Baptist Church up there fined $10,000 on Sunday for having two services. Probably getting fined again tonight for having church. Could God just be trying to wake us up? Think about what, and we don't suffer persecution. Make sure you understand that. We're not at that point. It can get there very quickly. But remember the book of Acts? God told them that they were going to be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, right? Well, everybody stayed in Jerusalem. 
they couldn't do what God had them to do, all staying in Jerusalem. So what happened? Saul wreaked havoc on the church. Isn't that what the Bible says? Persecution came, and it spread the Christians out. And by the end of the book of Acts, we see that those men, and they turned the world upside down. I sincerely believe that what is going on in our churches today is God trying to wake us up. And I hear it often. I hear a lot of people, well, we need to stand up for religious liberty because it's in our Constitution. I, I'm, a, I'm a constitutionalist. I believe in it completely. I'm not here, though, because the Constitution says I can be here. I'm here because this book says that's where I should be. That's why I'm here. Could it be that God wants to do a great work in our day? I sincerely believe that. So let's be attentive to God. Let's learn this lesson quick so we can move past it. COVID-19 could be one of the biggest blessings that ever happened to the church in the long run. It's a crazy thing to say right there, but it definitely could be. Because if it would help us lose the apathy that we have and get a passion and desire for God, watch out what God could do. I sincerely believe God wants to do something. And he's willing. And with him, there's always hope. So let's live for him. You can add up all the accolades you want. It's not going to do you a whole lot of good. But having, a, having the right attitude, having the right actions, doing the things of God, it will go a long ways in this world. We'll watch the video. Once the video is done, I'll have a word of prayer, and we'll be on our way.
Basically said what I said, just another way of doing it. You get it twice so that maybe something else sinks in. But it, it is interesting to note that in order for everything to become, for everything to be done, God's judgment has to come and God's love. Two totally different aspects of God, but two keys that are tied together. And without them both, things will never get better. And that's just who God is. And just be thankful tonight as I close in a word of prayer. Be thankful that God is who he is. We could never do what he does. And I praise him so much that he's in control of everything. Let's live for him today. Let's do our best for him. Let's grow. Let's be what we should be. 
Hey, this weekend, invite someone to come learn about the attribute of God's holiness and let's us serve God. Come Saturday night, watch the movie, have a good time together in fellowship. Let's us live for God with the days he gives us and serve him till he comes. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word and for your faithfulness. Bless your people. Bless the rest of this week. And I pray that you just guide us and help us live for you. Thank you for always in the midst of judgment, there's hope. Thank you for always giving hope. May your people never lack hope because with you, there's always hope. We love you in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right. Have a good night.